Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of GVN Review. Uh, this week, we will be breaking down the season finale of The Boys, episode eight, What I Know. This was a amazing finale, very sad, very action-packed, um, and just overall great. But before we get into it, allow me to introduce my co-host, Tia. What's going on, Tia? Hello, Juwan. It is crazy to think that this is the last episode of uh, review that we'll do for the boys season two. We're going to have to wait probably a whole another year before season three. But you know what? We truly went off with a bang and I'm so pumped to be here to talk about this with you. Yeah, I would definitely say if anybody, they um, they deserve the break. They definitely deserve the break. Um, so hopefully we can get some kind of news fast tracked before the end of this year, um, about when shooting is, is supposed to take place so we can have a better idea on when to expect it. If shooting starts, let's say around top of the year, no later than maybe March, it's very possible we can get it around this time next year. Um, but it all depends. It completely all depends. Uh, COVID has made filming very rough out there so well here's hoping um it feels like I, from what i have read because they came out with a, a story i think entertainment weekly and they haven't written the scripts yet but i think they have a good generalization of where they're going um just throwing it out there eric kripke who's the showrunner of the boys uh, as we know jensen ackles is coming in to play soldier boy eric and jensen actually worked on supernatural together uh, eric kripke in uh came up with supernatural so it's kind of a cool reunion but eric kripke said if you're expecting jensen ackles to come in and be the good guy you would be mistaken um pretty much saying that and then I think he said something along the lines of Soldier Boy was Homelander before Homelander. So that's pretty cool. That's terrifying. <laughs> um, that's really terrifying. But again, I don't know much about the boys. Uh, never read the comics. Never even heard about this property until the show. Um, but it pretty much it seems like the recipe for this show is heroes aren't really the heroes. Um, which to me has always been a cool idea. Uh, it's why I love Injustice more than really any other DC comic. The idea of like your good guys turning bad um, always like has appealed to me. So the idea of all these heroes to the world being good guys, but like behind the scenes, um, he's smashing someone's face in. Um, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> um, I also thought it was a pretty cool, if, if that's what it stays like, that's a pretty cool voice um, that Jensen was uh, was taking on for um, for Soldier Boy. I saw that, yeah. And didn't it kind of remind you of like what you would? Because I I think that uh, so Soldier Boy was the leader of this group called Payback. Uh, again, essentially the Seven before there was the Seven, and I I believe they were around the time of World War II, maybe a little afterwards, but he sounds like how someone would sound from that error, if that makes sense. He sounds like what I think a lot of people would assume um, Chris Evans would have sounded like. 
Um, yes. Captain America. Um, and that's not, that's not me taking any shots, but um, it's just, it's the prototypical all American sound that you would assume you'd get um, from that one of those original heroes. Um, I, I don't know. I love it. And- I love the eye roll at the end. Um, like, <laughs> I love Jensen Ackles being part of like- can I say really quick, and I know that we haven't even jumped into the finale, but like I was a huge Supernatural fan, right? Like up until season 11, which, you know, I then didn't watch afterwards. I know they're on their 15th and final season, but I always thought that Jensen Ackles was a fantastic actor and he's played very uh you know he's he's leaned into a lot of layers of the character throughout the seasons but at least in the first like 11 seasons right jensen ackles always played dean winchester whereas jared padalecki played sam winchester lucifer this this is anyone who's listening who knows supernatural you know like jared padalecki played played a million different characters whereas jensen ackles really only played his one character so it's cool to me because i really have never seen jensen in anything else but supernatural so i'm excited to see him in a new world as a completely different character and if he's already crafting his voice for the role i'm pumped yeah i I will say the biggest excitement for me about jensen being part of this team is if he's part of this maybe just maybe people will stop trying to make him red hood (laughs) you know Brittany really wants that we i forget what top 10 we were doing recently but for some reason the subject of red hood came up and she mentioned she mentioned jensen again because he voiced um red hood in an animated you you know this of course i'm just reiterating but i mean I don't really see what the big deal is, Juwan. I don't, but I, I, I know that you you wouldn't want it. Well, my only issue is he he was voicing an older Jason. I don't want an older Jason. I would I kind of because here's the problem: Jason is younger than than Dick Grayson. Right. So it's like I want an established Dick Grayson. Like if you're gonna make Dick in his early 20s to mid 20s right and you're robin because if, if if grayson is in his 20s he's probably nightwing by now so your robin is jason right mm-hmm. so it's like all right jason to me can be between 16 and 18 years old jensen is almost in his 40s if not in his 40s he is in his 40s <laughs> way too old to be oh, i'll say this to you his red hood would have been perfect if ben stayed as batman that's what right. you can cast somebody like that. But no, Robert Pattinson being the Batman right now, I need my Red Hood to be somewhat younger than 40. Um, but um, no, I'm really glad for him joining this team. Uh, Entertainment Weekly did an amazing digital cover um, where you you got to see Carl Urban in Homelander's gear. Um, oh, that was great. <laughs> that, that was just really awesome to see those guys. They look like they have so much fun. They really do. No, no, no. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I I think there was a panel recently during this whole thing. Yeah, there was a panel, um, I believe, on, on Thursday, right? And I swear I have never seen a cast have that much fun with each other. I 
haven't seen it since I'd say maybe Avengers. Uh, when those yeah. guys came up on stage, it was just kind of like, yeah, they really love each other. Like there's there's no enemies on that stage. Like that is like a family. Um, and we just saw that family grow since that moment. But this, I, I really do hope that this show lasts at least four or five more seasons. Um, but unfortunately, we know at some point one of these actors are going to blow uh, enough to have like their own thing. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start to see the, the momentum slow and slow until we get to a point where um, Eric's probably looking to wrap it up. But who knows? Maybe this takes a supernatural turn and it goes 15 years. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Eric Kripp, although I... I'm not sure Eric Kirkby has anything to do with Supernatural anymore, but if Supernatural is any sort of, you know, telling, you could say Eric Kripke's properties at least last very long. That is that is one thing you can definitely say. Let's hope this is part of that. All <laughs> right, let's get, um, let's get started. Mm-hmm. Let's get right into it, and let's start off with... show starts with, a, uh, again, another emotional opening. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the boys version of school shooters um this was a very 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 um unique way again they they do very unique ways of of showing real life situations um i think the only thing that i thought was comical about this was the teacher had a gun and it's like the whole purpose of this drill is to prepare for a super villain what is she gonna do with her gun (laughs) but of course the comedy kind of leans into the ludicrousy of real life i mean you know you and i got a little political last week and i'm gonna say i remember our president saying well the teachers should arm themselves And the ridiculousness of that. And I think that, yes, it is ridiculous. What's a gun going to do up against a suit? But I think that the show is just like, we're going to show you how ridiculous that would actually look like in this. Yeah. And, and it, and it definitely did look ridiculous, but you're absolutely right. Um, That, that was always idiotic to me. It's like, what? It's like, all right, what if I reach into my bag and the teacher's like, oh my God, he's got a gun. I'm pulling out my notebook. Like, <laughs> shot me. You know, like, the idea that is terrifying. Um, especially because, you know, we see cops get trigger happy. What do you think a teacher's going to do that didn't like the kid in the first place? Oh, and I've had some angry teachers. You know, like, I'm not trying to get too real here or anything, but it. A, a gun is not a toy. <laughs> I own I own a gun. Like I have a, a pistol permit. I will say that on air. You know, it it's a responsibility, one that you should take very very seriously. And the idea that you're going to ask teachers who are incredibly underpaid to the point where they have to get second jobs and have to pay for their own uh, school supplies, you're going to tell them go get a gun. It's like, are you going to fund that? Because those are at least a couple hundred dollars. I'll go a little deeper. I mean, you're now asking a teacher that if, God forbid, they do have to shoot the shooter, they have to live with shooting a child. Like, you have to live with that for the rest of your life with no training on that. Um, Right. (laughs) Ridiculous. Um, But, yeah, so this is a very, very, very great Mm -hmm. opening. Um, A a great way to kind of bridge real life with um, a little bit bit of humor. Um, 
great opening, great opening. Uh, we then go right to Tia. Um, what I thought was a hilarious opening also, which was Mallory and Victoria trying to plead with the Secretary of Defense to go public against Vought in stopping production of uh, Compound V. I don't know why I wrote Company V. Compound V. I see that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it and I'm like, what the hell is a Company V? Anyway, Compound V. Um, I, what, what I loved about this was I loved how the Secretary of Defense was like, you don't think I know Vought is dirty? You don't think I know they're full of crap? What do you want me to do? I, I can't force the president to think otherwise. And it's like right now people are scared and we have to lean on that. We have to protect them. And right now they think, you know, arming more people with superpowers is the best way to do that. Um, so what were your what was your thoughts, Tia, with the Secretary of Defense not only uh, saying he understands where they're coming from, but he disarmed Mallory when Mallory was leaning in to threaten him. And he's like, yeah, go ahead and tell the world that I slept with my, you know, uh, my nanny at her daughter's birthday party. Like, go ahead. I don't care. It'll give me a soft, cushiony job at MSNBC. Like, you know, I was like, oh, damn. Okay. All right. Well, that didn't work. Um, let me first start off by saying that I really love this actor. His name is Jim Beaver, and he's another Supernatural alum. Um, played the character Bobby uh, on and off throughout the 15 seasons. So again, Eric Kripke just bringing back these uh, these Supernatural guys. And it's funny. I'm sorry. I love like just uh, relating things to real life. But I actually... I didn't meet him, right? Let me not even say that I met him, but I was at a supernatural convention in the audience where he was on stage talking. Seems like a very lovely person. He starred in a movie with Tom Hiddleston um, and he had this like really funny Tom Hiddleston story. I don't know. He's just great, right? So the fact that he is in The Boys, even if it's a very small role, I was just so tickled by. But I love the scene. I loved him, especially when he was like, yeah, I'll get that cushy job. Like, please say it. And it's like... You know, it's one of those things where you think you have something in your pocket, right? That it's just foolproof. You're going to, you know, use it and it's going to get you what you want in, you know, in Mallory's case. And he just didn't give a shit at all. He was just like, and I mean, I am sure that there are so many people. First of all, there's people in every job and especially in politics, especially in big corporations like that. They're that like, yeah, I don't agree with it either. But sometimes you can't fight the tide. And I feel like that's where this this whole situation was going. That's exactly where it was going. Um, and it, it speaks to our government. I know we always joke about how um, <laughs> how studios, whenever like an audience freaks out about like not liking a movie, the studio will go, well, we have to overhaul everything. And it's like, no, how about you like, interact with your fan base and see specifically what it was that they didn't like and then just fix that um no instead they're like nah we're gonna overhaul everything everything has to go in the garbage um i kind of view our government like that to where it's like oh people are scared all right cool we're, we're just gonna completely do all of one thing and it's like not really i mean you could maybe like tiptoe on a few different things to make things better um, in this scenario, it's like, you're going to put more super powered people on the streets. How do you know that they weren't, they won't just turn evil? 
Um, like it's not as simple as oh, I just give people powers. Um, but to the president, it was a quick fix, and it's like wow, um, <laughs> that is terrifying. Um, but no, this was a hilarious opening. Um, I love that Victoria was like, you know, let us try to get more evidence. Like, give us some more time. And he's like, the president wants this, so it's it's happening. Um, but no, this was a, this is also like a, a great way to open it. Um, we cut really quickly to Becca escaping in the forest, uh, or the woods rather, um, escaping her uh, the vault compound that they had her living in. How she got out, I do not know, um, but she was escaping. Um, what, what were your thoughts when you saw that, Tia? I mean, I was terrified for her. I was like, oh, shit. I mean, in a way, you knew that she was going to, you know, escape properly because the trailer beforehand had shown the scene of her going to Billy asking for help. But it still was like, damn, Becca, if it was kind of like, quote unquote, that easy for you to get away from Vault, why didn't you do that like a long time ago? But no, seriously, I, it was, um, you know, I think that it just goes to show what a mother will do to save her child. I mean, you know, before she was just kind of living in this little dollhouse. And as soon as her son was taken, it was like all hands on deck. She's just like, you know what? I'm, I, you know, I, I don't care. It's, it's not to say it's the same thing. Like, you know, they say where mothers can like lift the cars off of children. If their child is like stuck under the car. Right. But it's like that same sort of adrenaline where it's like, I don't care if I get hurt, I have to go find my child. No, I'm completely with you. I think the bigger question I have is if she made it known her son was taken, what would be Vought's reasoning for still holding her? That is very true. Um, I could not tell you. I guess that's something that maybe they didn't have, say, time to explain or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing that I would say is that you don't want someone like Becca to go to the media and say, because, you know, she could have easily did that. It's like this whole time they're wondering, like, how to get something to the media to, you know, blow everything up essentially i mean she could have easily went to the media and just been like this is what homelander did to me and now he kidnapped my child yeah but i i think if you're vaught i think you're betting on her inability to prove it especially without the kid true uh, the kid it's like ah oh, well that's really easy to prove but without the kid that's not really that easy to prove and it's not like homelander's doing it all over the the world so it's like oh if she comes out like a million more people will um it seems like i'm not saying it is it seems like that was an isolated incident um rather than more so of a uh, a, a track record or a behavior um so i mean i think if you're vault you're kind of betting on you can't prove that um but i mean who knows who knows i just thought it was really weird it was like I thought the whole point of keeping her secluded was like, all right, she has the evidence in the kid. We can't let them both out of here. Um, and it's the best way to keep Homelander in check because, you know, he loves the kid. So it's like, if we want to kill the kid to get, you know, to get to Homelander, we have that in our back pocket. Um, so once the kid was taken, it was kind of just like, if I'm flawed, I'm kind of like, well, let her go. 
<laughs> like she didn't really need to go through all this. But anyway, um, we see that she makes her way to um to the boys. Uh, no, I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself. Sorry. Uh, we go to the uh, we go to the boys in their bunker or or, or where no we're they're in like a store basement or something. Um, and they're planning on how they're gonna you know attack uh you know Vault and the Seven. Uh, the Frenchie has a very funny meet meet joke, um, which is just like instead of always trying to like catch him in this elaborate like <laughs> dropping a rock on him or whatever, blow him up. <laughs> it's like. Oh yeah, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Blow him up. Um, but I did love how Huey um, was trying to tell them, like, you know, if we're just like killing them, aren't we becoming them? And it's like, well, we tried to do it the right way, Huey, and it didn't work. Um, so Tia, walk me through your thoughts on um, the boys. Pretty much just saying, you know what, we got no other way. Full speed ahead. I mean, I loved it. You know, there's p- poor Huey always trying to bring the humanity into everything. We can't just kill them all. And Billy's like, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to kill every single one of them. It's ve- like Billy is a more humorous version of like Frank Castle. You know, like, like that was like the funny version of the conversation between Matt and Frank up on the rooftop. You can't kill people. And he's like, yeah, I can. I'm going to kill everyone, you know? And that's, that's me. That's exactly what it was. It was just like with Billy Butcher's humor. Um, so I love that. And it's like, honestly, at this point, I, I can't say I disagreed with them. They tried, right? They leaked the compound V thing. You would think that's going to be like the hugest controversy ever. That's totally going to take everyone down. What did it do? It really was just like one mild little hiccup. And then they got their marketing team on it and they completely turned it around. So to them, they're like, F it. Let's bring out the guns. But that's why I tell you that's how important marketing is. I know. I was just thinking that I was like, marketing will save anything (laughs) we got a good marketing department it will it will make everything so much better um and we've seen without good marketing it will make something that is pretty good not that good Um, yeah exactly (laughs) that is the power of marketing it's why i tell you i love marketing um all right so we get uh, a, a quick glance at homelander and stormfront uh trying to make sense of everything that just happened in the courtroom in the last episode and Stormfront trying to keep Homelander focused. This is what we need to do. We just need to get more soups. We get more soups. We get them under our control. The world will be better. will be a better place. And Homelander's just kind of like, I don't really think so, but like, make me happy. So, okay. Um, <laughs> um, I really still feel like Homelander at, at this moment wasn't like a thousand percent sold but it was kind of like i don't know there's something about when you say it that i'm like okay um but walk me through tia seeing um stormfront you know really calm cool and collected and trying to get homelander to refocus on their uh, their, their goal to me it's like because i believe it was eric kripke who even said like you know homelander has a lot of say like personality issues right um he's an adult obviously very phys in a very physical sense you know he's very p- 
powerful physically, but he's not really all that powerful mentally, right? And I think that he needs someone to kind of, you know, steer him and Stormfront, you know, for all of her faults, I can't believe I'm giving her a compliment right now, but, you know, she is mature. I know that sounds wrong, right? You know, obviously she has a very, very warped sense of uh, everything, but she has this like you know she she's focused right she knows what she wants and she's fanatic obviously but she knows what she wants and she knows that nothing can affect the mission whereas homelander is really and we've seen this a scared little child who essentially needs someone to like hold his hand and we see this at the end of this episode as well like homelander easily could kill everyone in anything right and yet words are enough to take him down yeah he's very emotional based uh which is really good when it comes to the idea of disarming him it's like wow mm-hmm. words can work that's not usually how you take down <laughs> Uh, superpowered beings, but okay. That's his kryptonite. That is- <laughs> That's his kryptonite. <laughs> I mean, we saw the Hulk. All it took was Black Widow saying, like, alright, the sun's getting real low, and he was like, alright, yep, nope. <laughs> I still have problems with that, but okay. <laughs> Josh Whedon has, has, like, a lot to explain when it comes to that. He has a lot to explain with everything, but that's not this type of podcast. <laughs> everything, but that's definitely on a list. Like, what? That's how you that that's why I keep telling Joel Tia, turning the Hulk into Professor Hulk is the most disrespectful thing MCU <laughs> has ever done. You've never given us like a legit Hulk. At every point, you kept punking him. Like he was stupid in in, in Ragnarok. Um, oh no, I loved him in Ragnarok. <laughs> We're not getting on that. I loved him in Ragnarok. <laughs> he was love struck in Age of Ultron. He got punked out in Infinity War. It's like, when could you see the Hulk? The Hulk? <laughs> Apparently, never. <laughs> Hulk's done for that. So hopefully, She Hulk can be what he never could. All right. Um, we get. Now, this is what I was waiting for uh, to talk to you about, Tia. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take uh, full control on, on this topic. Very emotional scene with Starlight and Huey trying to get Queen Maeve to yes. do the right thing and, and join them and testify against the, uh, the Seven and Vaughn. Um, Queen Maeve at this point has just, she's tired. She's just tired. And the comparison I made to Queen Maeve in this scene was seeing people of color when it comes to um, the the legal system um, and how it's kind of just like, no, man, like, you know, record or testify. And it's like, but nothing happens. I'm just tired of fighting. Um, and that's what I kind of felt from Queen Maeve to where it's kind of just like, look, I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to do the right thing in my love life. I saved you by ultimately pretty much uh, trying to kill, um, uh, what's his name? Oh my God, how do you forget Black Noir? <laughs> um, like Queen Maeve is like, haven't I done enough to justify me just being left alone? Mm-hmm. But Tia, walk me through uh, your thoughts on seeing how much Queen Maeve was suffering inside. 
I mean, I had always thought of Maeve um, as jaded, right? Even in the first season, you know, um, it was one of those things when even in the first season where Starlight is reaching out to her saying, you know, we're both women. Uh, this is ridiculous. You know, let's do this, blah, blah. And Maeve is like, I've been in this longer than you have. And I know that you can't fight this. And so she's been jaded for quite a bit. And in this, she's just tired, right? When Starlight said to Huey and the boys, just give me 24 hours, I think I have someone. At first, for a very, very, very split second, I thought she meant A-Train, right? Because we could already see, like, what was it, the episode before, the episode before that, that, you know, like, A-Train knew what Starlight was doing and didn't say anything, right? So I was like, maybe she's going to try to talk A-Train into it. And then, like, as soon as they were in the apartment, I was like, oh, my God, they went to Queen Maeve. And I was really excited at first because I thought that maybe they would have been able to talk her through it. But I'm glad that they didn't in that moment. I'm glad that she was tired. Um, first of all, can I just say that I love that everyone who, because I think Starlight's mother did this as well. Everyone is like, really? That guy? that's the guy because <laughs> like, i think the mom even was like this the one with the clammy hands who shakes like a poodle and you know uh, queen Maeve's just like really him him so i i do love that but no i loved when mave yelled at her like how much more do i have to do for you wasn't it enough that i saved your life you know it's like how to Maeve, it's like to me it everyone keeps asking her for everything right as if and to her she's just like when is anyone going to do anything for me not in a selfish way i don't think it's in a selfish way i think it's in a like everyone keeps asking but no one sits there for a second and says you know queen mave is suffering you know um she's suffering and she needs someone to hold their hand out and help her and i think that's what why Maeve was so tired I thought it was such a powerful scene I loved her yelling at them to get out of her apartment and just let her be and if you've noticed um because I don't really think we ever saw Maeve smoke before like a few episodes prior and I think they're showing that as her just like kind of because in the first season right we see her training and everything we see her you know trying to smile a little bit and all that and in this it's like you slowly see her declining to like you know next thing i knew she was probably going to be like at a bar at 12 in the afternoon just downing uh whiskey or something like that so to me i just felt like she was very done and it was a very emotional scene and it's again I love Queen Maeve and I was sitting there I was like it's okay it's okay one day you can rest yeah no and and I like that I, I love that you said that because ultimately what, what I took from that was just as, as simple as no one's ever asked Maeve if you know how, how, how are you feeling like how are you mm -hmm. dealing with everything like are you okay um you know how, how's everything going no one really cares that's why when she exploded at that lady uh, last week, where it was just like, can you just be human mm -hmm. for five seconds? Like, think about the fact that I am not just an object. I, I have feelings. Like, can you leave me alone? Um, was just pretty much her kind of lashing back and saying, no, no one else respects my time. I'm going to respect my time. And I'm going to start taking time for myself. 
Um, and that's ultimately all she wanted was just to be left alone, Tia. Like, think about that. Think about the simplicity of that. Just leave me alone. Like, think think about us as, as, as like regular people. We're like, I want a million dollars. I want a vacation. I want COVID to be over. I want Trump out of the White House. She's <laughs> like, I want to be left alone for like a day. And I think yeah. I can like, recuperate. <laughs> well, and you know, and the thing is really quick that, you know, Homelander essentially put shackles on her by outing her, right? You know, um, if when people, you know, come out, right, that should be a freeing experience, right? It should be freeing. It should feel joyous. And to her, it suddenly handcuffed her to the marketing department where, oh, my God, every single thing has to be them up your ass about the freaking marketing about it and you're like i like can you imagine like who you love is now suddenly a freaking pr statement you know like ever since homelander did and it's like he's so strategic like that because he knew he knew as soon as saying that that was going to just weigh mave down and i i just felt so bad for her as soon as that happened i was like oh you bastard and and we've seen that like every what what was it brave mave candy bar brave mave lasagna brave mave this i was like oh my god i'd want to pull my freaking hair out yeah no he he definitely knew that would disarm her um completely mm-hmm. uh it would ultimately internally ruin her because to me all she wanted was the freedom to just be whoever she wanted to be Um, that's why when the the lady walked in and she's like, you can't be in bed with two men. And it's like, no, but it's like, I could do whatever I want. Like Like, you can't tell me who to sleep with or who to do this with or anything, but that's what Vought always tried to do. Right. But that was her point. Her point was like, oh no, but you're wrong. Like I can do whatever I want. Um, (laughs) and that's, that's what I love. It was so it was so comforting to just see Maeve do something that was just like against what somebody wanted mm-hmm. her to do. Um, she deserved that. But um, no, I mean, this, it was very emotional and it was just like, dang, like, why won't y'all just leave the girl alone? <laughs> you know, I love her. I've been talking every single review we've done about how much I love her. Yeah, no, that's for sure. That, that <laughs> is for sure. Tia loves her some Maeve. Uh, that's why I'm like, I'm going to pass this off to Tia and just let Tia go. Um, but in our next scene, we see Becca showing up uh, to ask Billy and the boys for help, getting her son back. Um, kind of walk me through. This is a two-parter, so we don't have to go too deep because all this scene showed was just, um, you know, her wanting to get in, her talking to Billy, and then Billy saying, I promise I'll help you. And then, and, and then it cuts to another scene. Um, but your thoughts see on seeing um Becca successfully making it to Billy. Yeah, I mean, I that was obviously a really quick scene in the succession of things, you know, the boys are down in the basement making their plans to kill everyone and uh one of the guys says, you know, there's this lady up here and he runs up and it's like you know, the last time they spoke with each other was pretty much Becca telling him to go away and that she wasn't going to go with him because she knows that he won't ever change and that that's her son, yada, yada. But it's like, regard, regardless of the fact that that was the last thing that they ever said to each other, you know, she goes to him because that's Billy. 
Billy gets shit done. And that's like the love of her life regardless. And that's the love of his life regardless. And it's like just that really quick where she's just like, they took Ryan and he's like, I will get your son back. Um, And I, I did like that. And that actress, I forget her name, the one who plays Becca, she really shows emotion very well. And it made like seeing her in the boys made me realize how much the flash didn't use her properly i won't argue there i i I honestly thought obviously we knew barry was always going to get with iris but oh yeah i'm not saying that like you know that had to have happened no i'm saying to me the only reason remember the only reason she left was she told barry admit that you're the flash and Mm -hmm. i'll stay but Barry really didn't want her to stay, not because if he told her, um, you know, he felt like he couldn't protect her. I mean, let's be honest. There's no one in that city that doesn't know that Barry's a damn Flash at this point. <laughs> so he was so conflicted on how much he loved Iris. The best thing was to let her go so he could eventually be with Iris. Um, so that's what I meant by that. But um, no, she was great. I mean, she even sparked one of the greatest nicknames in, in television history. I won't say it, but she had one of the greatest nicknames ever. But no, she's a really good actress. She's also on the show Shooter with Ryan Phillippe. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name o- on USA. She's great in that. Um, she's really, really, really good. I would love to interview her at some point. Um, she's a really good actress. She does emotion uh, very well. Um, when she was crying on the train, uh, when, when Barry left her, I was like, she really kind of makes, there are very few actors and actresses that when they cry, I'm kind of like, I just want to hug you. Uh, (laughs) She's, she's one of them. She's definitely pretty high on that list. Her crying is very convincing. Um, but yeah, that, that was a really good scene to kind of see that Billy was willing to put everything aside and do what he needed to do, you know, because like you said, he gets shit done. Um, all right, next Tia is one of the best meetings between evil people, I think, <laughs> in TV show history. Um, Edgar and Alistar uh talk out uh if the deep and A train can come back to the seven. Ultimately, Edgar letting him know one, maybe two. N- I'm not that weak, like, relax, I'm not bringing them both back, I'm not desperate. Um, but ultimately. Uh, Alice I asking why can't a train come back and it's like well we kind of got somebody here that you know why he can't come back mm-hmm. uh, and ultimately it was Edgar's way of saying she doesn't like black people dude so she's really never going to feel comfortable about this uh, wait till she finds out black noir is literally black noir <laughs> um, but uh, which by the way I feel oh god I feel like I want to like I want to say something from the comics because at this point I feel like they're not going to go in that way because it's impossible. But I also don't want you to be like you're spoiling things for me, so I'm just going to shut my mouth. No, I mean, look, I- I'll-, I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, is it like a huge reveal or something? I just don't think that they're going to do it now because it's pretty obvious that they're not going to do it since they revealed who the actor was underneath Black Noir. In the comics, Black Noir is really Homelander's clone. Well, you showed that Black Noir is, you know, who Black Noir is, and it's like, well, clearly that's not who Homelander is. So I'm like, oh, so they're clearly not going in that direction. So, I mean, to me, that was like a huge reveal when they revealed that because that was like, 
when I interviewed Nathan Mitchell last year, I was like, you know, because he said he knows what happens in the comics. And I'm like, well, are they going to go in that direction? And he was just like, well, and it's like, I don't think so now. I don't think so now. <laughs> um, no, but this is a great, this is a great meeting between uh, two minds. <laughs> and no, you definitely can't do that now. I mean, you look at Homelander, and then you look at Black Noir and the actor, and you kind of go, no, there's, there's no, there's no comparison there. Um, but no, I mean, I, I really like this conversation that the two of them had. Um, I love that A Train heard it in the background and was like, "What the hell? <laughs> like, that's why I can't come back because she's racist and you're afraid of her." Um, but no, I, I love this, it, and I have to say, Gene is man. I thought Breaking Bad was probably the best acting I could ever see this guy do, um, and then he just always gets so much better. I want he need he now needs to be in. DC, he needs to be in Marvel. Uh, he needs to be in whatever um, uh, whatever Valiant does. Like he needs to be in every possible property that has superheroes and supervillains. He needs to be in it. He is that gifted of an actor. Um, and seeing these two sit down and have this conversation was just like, this is so golden. But Tia, walk me through seeing. Um, <laughs> I called it the Legion of Doom meeting, but. Uh, seeing these two guys get together and, and, and talk out who of the two um, outsiders, which are Deep and A-Train, mm -hmm. they were going to allow back in. Yeah, I really love this scene. First of all, Giancarlo Esposito is a fantastic actor. Um, I don't know who the actor is who played Alistar, if he's been in anything else that I've seen. I apologize about that, but um, I love them because they, they both have this, like, eeriness of being calm with each other right like they're having this tense talk and they're both being very quote-unquote pleasant while also these are two very dangerous men right <laughs> they're two very dangerous and as you says the legion of doom they're you know evil men but they're having this like very fancy ritzy sort of um uh conversation but the one thing I wanted to point out, which was the most hilarious thing to me, is the whole entire season, the Church of the Collective, their whole thing has been, would you like a fresca? And Alistair said to, you know, Edgar, would you like a fresca? And he was like, no, I hate that shit, pretty much. <laughs> and, and Alistair's face just dropped as if he was so offended. So I, I know that the scene is so much bigger than that. And, you know, of a train listening in and the undertones, but to me, that that's what I took away from the freaking conversation. Just cause I thought that was so funny. Like finally someone was like, get that fresco away from me. Yeah. We ultimately see, uh, we'll get to it later, but we ultimately see the deep go along the same lines. <laughs> yeah. It was like, man, F this crap. Um, <laughs> But um, no, I mean, it was just a really good conversation. And I thought it was a good eye opener to um, what we see A-Train do down the road. Um, well, in, in a little bit here, we, we, we see him do that. But um, let's move on to our next scene. Uh, this scene, Tia, I know you thought was hilarious. <laughs> uh, the team, the boys were fangirling over Becca. Um, it was like she was the popular girl. 
Um, Billy was the jock, and it was just like, we are so grateful to be in your presence. <laughs> you are like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You are like a gift from God. Billy always talks about you. We never thought we'd meet you, but hello. And then I love how Frenchie was like, he likes me. Like he he actually likes me. And it's <laughs> like, Frenchie, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but they just they loved Becca. Um, so walk me through that hilarious moment, Tia, of seeing them fangirl. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I love it because, you know, you have Billy, right, who's, like, very gruff and very, you know, foul-mouthed, and, like, Becca's just this uh, ray of sunshine and just, like, this pure-hearted, like, person, right? And it's, like, first of all, that's just great. And to them, it's, like, I love the idea that these really, like, you know, masculine men right you know uh mother's milk is very brolic and you know i he's he what wasn't he um in like special ops or something like that i don't know what yeah you know you see so you, you have him and then you have frenchie who like literally <laughs> makes weapons for a living and they're both being so freaking adorable frenchie's talking about this like baguette that he just made and i think mother's milk like made tea or something like that and they're being so cute just like all up on top of her pretty much and it's so adorable they're like they're like we know you're really upset because your son is missing but we are just so happy to have you here and you're right John that was really hilarious because Frenchie was just like no 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 he he likes me what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) it was just like not really Frenchie Um, like what world are you living in Frenchie (laughs) (laughs) it it was funny because um Uh, I think Mother's Milk was saying something along the lines of, it's just really great to meet somebody that Billy actually likes. It's yeah. like, what do you mean? And he's like, um, he doesn't really like anybody. And then that's when Frenchie comes in. It's like, no, he likes me. And it's like, mm, no, no, not really. <laughs> um, so that that whole scene was hilarious. Um, I also like, I, I might be confusing this with a scene down the line a little bit, but also loved how Becca pointed out how um, how healthy Huey was for, for Billy. Um, yes. You know, he balanced you. And I compare it to um, seeing how wild Tony Stark is, or, or Tony Stark was, and how balanced Peter made him. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of having somebody that you have to look out for other than yourself, uh, it kind of brings you down a, a, a little bit. Like, you can't take as many risks as you would before um so that's how i kind of viewed billy even though billy you know it's a little different because uh huey was like a grown man but uh you still kind of saw a part of billy that was kind of disarmed when it came to huey i mean he's he's petite huey i mean remember in the scene what was it two episodes ago when billy uh, not billy sorry huey almost got fatally wounded i mean billy was very doting on him very worried so i yeah no i think billy has that in him even though huey is certainly not at an age where he could say be billy's son but you know it had that sort of relationship maybe not a father son maybe more of an uncle nephew brother and brother i don't know but it's it's this very necessary relationship that the two of them have I would say it's brother, brother. And I would again go back to the comparison of Stark and Peter 
because I think part of Billy is like, if he were to die, it's my fault because oh, I yeah. got him into it. Like this kid was just working at his shop, minding his business when I came in and was like, hey, how would you like some good old revenge? <laughs> no, it was more so, hey, how would you like to risk your life? <laughs> right, right, exactly. So to me, it's just like, you got him into this. So it's your job to make sure he doesn't die. Um, so it's the same thing with Iron Man. Like you enlisted a child's help <laughs> in, in taking on Captain America. And it's like, if he were to die, that's on you. And we even saw Tony say that. So that's why I compare it to that. But um, no, I mean, I, I like I said, I loved uh, when she said that. Because it's like, it's very true. It's very mm-hmm. true. And he needed to hear that. Um, all right, let's move on. We got, um, oh, this scene, I don't really have much to say. I'll kind of let you take lead, but this scene here, Tia, was um, Stormfront and Homelander trying to make Ryan more comfortable with his new, uh, his new life away from his mom. They mm. take him out to eat, um, right before things go a little awry. But walk me through, um, your thoughts on them trying to make him feel comfortable. So, what I really thought was kind of interesting about this scene um and and this is the same scene when they go to like that restaurant right can i like roll into that okay um you know in to stormfront right i don't believe that she thought of homelander in sort of like a um romantic equal as much as he is the person to help me with my mission which will ultimately honor my late husband right right so to her it's like ryan is an extension of that quote-unquote mission and goal but homelander again this goes into him being emotionally immature to the fact that i do think there was a part of homelander that wanted ryan to have an upbringing that he didn't have and also to be comfortable because we saw that when they were out there and ryan was getting very overwhelmed that homelander immediately you know took him up in his arms and went away whereas stormfront kind of was looking at that like well what are you doing you know um to be honest, in that scene, I thought that Ryan was going to start lasering people. Um, it very much was like reminiscent of the plane scene in season one. I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to be good. But it was surprising. It was surprising seeing Homelander have that moment. Um, obviously, the show is not trying to make Homelander father of the year or even explore them we see that at the end of the season nor do i think that they should but if homelander wasn't homelander um then that would be a very sweet moment right um but again it just goes into homelander i think just he doesn't care about this movement that stormfront wants it's just that again he needs he needs us honestly he needs a strong woman to tell him what to do right madeline i think that was her name uh stillwell in season one did it and stormfront was doing it in season two and he needs that i'm completely with you i'm completely with you um i I will say though he did show that he does he did does or will care for ryan always i don't know it's very complicated we'll get to that uh towards the end of this review 
Um, but I mean, he very well could have told Ryan, like, "Hey, suck it up, man. Like, this is this is the life." But well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like you know, he could have you know been like, and I hate this sort of like toxic language, but where it's like, "Hey, be a man," you know, like, "No tears, buck up," you know, blah blah blah. You would expect that from Homelander, and certainly I feel like Stormfront was like on the verge of saying something like that. But I think Homelander was like, you know what? I never was coddled as a child. I was never held as a child. No one cared if I was crying or uncomfortable. So I'm gonna make sure that my son is okay with that. But it's like, oh god, like Homelander's so confusing, right? And, and we've talked about this plenty of times. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but it's like. You're such an asshole. You're so manipulative. You, you know, did the worst thing that you can do to a woman. And then you did on top of that, the second worst thing you do to a woman by taking her child. But yet you're trying to be father of the freaking year over here. Yeah, no, he, um, I, I, I think he didn't understand how, how kidnapping works. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just lied. Just made me laugh. <laughs> But um, he was definitely trying to make kidnapping okay there. And it was kind of like, <laughs> I think you know how the law works, but okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is very confusing. He seems like if he had the right woman in his life um, that wasn't corrupted by power, um, she could probably steer him in the proper direction. You know who I always thought that that could be? Maeve. Like, if in a different yeah. situation, <laughs> no, 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 not currently. I went back and was watching the first season, right? And it was when the two of them, before the plane scene, right? Like, after the plane scene, obviously everything changed. But before the plane scene, when the two of them were just kind of talking like normal, and Maeve was like telling him, you know, oh, you just want the uh, the recognition and blah, blah blah and he like he doesn't even get mad he's just like you know you just tell me how it is and it's like to me it's like in a different situation if Homelander was a different freaking person you know like maybe Maeve could have been that no but obviously no god no not now I'm just saying that like if Homelander wasn't really Homelander, then maybe Maeve could have been that, you know, because Maeve doesn't have any ulterior motives. She's not an evil person. She is grounded. That's really what I'm, I think I mean there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say, if anything, I think he's corrupted her, um, yeah. especially in that first season where, um, where I, didn't Maeve break the guy's, break the guy's gun and then Homelander came in and killed him or did Maeve kill him? No, uh, Homelander killed him, and she was like, you know, what'd you do that for? That's the scene, really, I'm talking about. She was like, what, what'd you do that for? We can't, like, you know, parade him around the Today Show. And he was just like, but then he was like, come on, you know, you know, I have to shoot you a little to make it seem like he attacked first. And she's like, all right, go ahead. Yeah, no, he's definitely, like, the worst person for her. Um, yeah, obviously. <laughs> She definitely, in a different scenario, would have made him better. Yeah. Um, but all right. Next up, this I put this here for a reason, Tia. I've learned this in watching a billion movies, a billion shows. Really good shows and movies. Dialogue is crucial because something is said that most people will hear and just kind of go, oh, that's just whatever. But to me, I always look deeper. Mm -hmm. Huey talking about his mom 
with Starlight made me go, she's not dead. So you kind of have to kind of think to yourself, there's a possibility, there's a reason why she left. Um, we know why Starlight's dad left. Um, according to Starlight, he was torn between his love for her and not wanting to continue the lie of knowing that, you know, she wasn't born this way. Her mother made her into this, or they originally did, but he kind of was like, I don't like this. I think we should stop. Um, and according to Starlight, that's why he left. He was torn. Um, you definitely hear from Huey how heartbroken he was about his mother leaving. And, you know, Simon Pegg, who did an amazing job in season one, he just seemed like there was a part of him that was gone mm -hmm. after that moment. Like, you know, he was trying to be as, as here and as present for Huey as he could. But it's just like a part of him got ripped when, you know, ultimately his wife left. Um, so it's I kind of feel like that's that's a storyline for both people going forward. Starlight's dad could come back or could be somebody, um, be somebody important or Huey's mom. Come, maybe she left because she was gaining powers and didn't know how to control it. Um, now, I think I'm reading way too, in, way too <laughs> into this. Um, but to me, I kind of felt like that conversation wasn't just to kind of be like, here's a conversation to fill like the next few minutes. Um, it was more so like it was supposed to mean something. But Tia, do you think we'll, we'll ever see Huey's mom or, or Starlight's dad or that they're important to these stories outside of just being their parents? I don't think we'll see them. And honestly, I don't want to see them. To me, that scene was more so just shedding a light on Huey. We don't really get a whole lot about his past. It was an explanation. You know, Starlight says, you know, why do you like, uh, oh, God, who was she? Was it Billy Joel? I forget who she said. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. She was like, why do you like this? You know, you're, you're a young guy, and yet you're always, always listening and we saw that in the first season. I think that was his last thing to Robin. You know, don't you talk shit about Billy Joel. Um, and it was him explaining about his mother. And I liked at first how Starlight's like, oh, my God, you know, I'm so sorry. And he's like, oh, no, she's not dead. She just left. Um, and I just think that's interesting. You know, you never really hear about that. You know, it's always the dad who leaves you know um there's never a conversation about people who go through their mother leaving um and i think that's just interesting about huey and about his background and why he never gives up you know why is huey attached to people the way he does and it's like because <laughs> honestly he has abandonment issues um and you know his father played by simon Pegg, as you said did a wonderful job but he clearly was not a very emotionally strong man to really kind of maybe not have huey have those sort of emotional issues so i think uh, to me i just think that it was a scene to explain more of who huey was and to explain you know more to help their relationship move forward pretty much yeah, like I said, I, I I very much understand that I could I could have been reading way too much into that, um, but to me, I kind of feel like bringing these things up is usually for a bigger purpose. But I've been wrong so many times before, Tia. Um, 
Um, but no, I, I really did love that moment between them. And I, I don't think it was necessarily meant to be funny, but uh, his, his timing on when she was like, oh, shoot, I'm sorry. I'm here talking about how horrible my mom is when uh, you don't even have your mom. And he's like, oh, wait, no, she's not dead. <laughs> and she was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, no, she's not dead. <laughs> like, she's still alive out there. She just left me. Um, I, I don't know why that was so hilarious to me. But I couldn't stop laughing for like 20 minutes. Well, I think that it's something I think is very real. I think it makes people uncomfortable, right? Like if you don't talk about a parent, uh, they automatically think like, oh, well, it's because the person is not among the living. And it's like, no, no, they're among the living. They're just not among my living, you know? So, yes, it, it was funny in the sense of, again, it's so real. And that's what's amazing about this show. It's just, like, that's a real moment. Um, even though we're talking about superheroes and powers and all that, that's a real moment. That was very real. And like, like I said, I, I laughed way too hard at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just, like, he just looked over and was like, no, no, she's not dead. <laughs> like, and Starlight's response is like, oh, oh, I kind of just thought she was. No, no, not at all. Um, but the very next scene, Tia, is one I was I not expecting, <laughs> but I was very much excited to see, which is A-Train just speed his way into the car, the back seat of Huey and, and uh, Starlight's car, pretty much um, <laughs> disarming them, uh, ultimately shocking them and giving them exactly what they've been looking for, which is a way to disarm Stormfront. Um, walk me through to uh, A-Train making his appearance and then giving them what they needed. I'm telling you, they made A-Train so much better this season because last season I just thought that he was so bland and really had no interest in him. And I like audibly laughed when he, because I think he was like, what's up, bitches? Like, you know, he just like said something along those lines. And like the way that like Huey screamed was just so hilarious to me. Um, and then you're like, oh my God, like, you know, what what is A-Train doing here? And I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it, it opened up a little not that I kind of like the scene I very much like the scene but I think that it opened up some uh, questions because Starlight says to him she was like how did you run like that because he said he goes oh I just ran around the city looking for you and it's, she's like what about your heart and it's like you know A-Train's heart has been like the problem this whole time and it kind of like brushed off where he was just like no 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 it's fine don't worry about it but either way the bigger picture of this whole thing is him giving them what ultimately would be the start of the demise of Stormfront. And I really like that. Um, I loved the scene. I felt like everything kind of came around full circle. You know, this whole thing started with A-Train literally killing Robin, forcing Huey to meet the boys and Starlight and do this and that. And then suddenly he's helping them. Um, I thought it was a great scene. It was a nice little scene. And again, like, go A-Train for, we've talked about this before, how we did not like A-Train in season one, and I, I like him now. Now I'm excited to see more of his character. I don't hate him is the best compliment I can give him. 
I think that his character is improving and maybe we'll see something else or, you know, he could turn back to his douchey ways because we see how the season ends. Who knows what's going to happen here. But for right now, he's an ally. He's tolerable. I'll, I'll give you that. that. <laughs> um, I'll try to be nice here. And you're just like, ah. <laughs> well, look, look, you know how much I disliked him in season one. So it's a vast improvement from what I would have said in season one. <laughs> uh, which I would have ultimately said, just recast them or like kill A Train off. Um, I think we talked about that in season one. I think we were like, just recast him, which again, I totally like agreed back in season one. I was just like, this is like a stale cracker. There is nothing like any in season one. I swear, anytime he was on screen, I was just like, oh, next, please, next. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was not bearable. It was very unbearable. Um, it was almost offensive. Like, why would you make me sit through this? Like, what what is this crap? Um, but he's gotten better. I'll definitely say that he's definitely gotten better. Um, next up to a very 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 huge scene for this season finale is mm. Billy making a game changing deal with Edgar. Uh, yeah. Walk me through to you um, and your thoughts on seeing the lengths Billy would go through to get Becca back. So it's funny because this is the second like big meeting uh, Edgar has with someone, right? But obviously not as eloquent as it was with Alistair. Um, Billy is much more crass. We know that. Uh, I just loved the thing because as you said, it was um, Billy saying something like, you know the lengths that he would go to to try to help Becca but there was so much in this scene right first of all I love Edgar just ordering little dessert puffs like I want to be that rich and be like can you go make these you know he, you know he didn't pay for that shit um but a few things stood out one being obviously Billy saying that you know you're going to take Ryan away and I'm going to be with my wife, you know? And I was just like, Billy, God, like every time I think that you're going to do the right thing, you become a bastard. Like you really can't like let this go. Right. Like I, I almost was like a little angry at Billy. Cause I'm like, that's manipulation. You're going to manipulate your wife and telling her that, you know, Ryan is better off with Vaught when you know full well you don't give a shit about Ryan. You just want your wife back. I'm like, that's a little manipulative. I That doesn't sit well with me. Um, but what also kind of um, stood out to me was, you know, Billy said something along the lines to Edgar, like, doesn't Stormfront bother you? Like, look in the mirror. How does she not bother you? And Edgar said something along the lines of, like, pretty much saying like of course she bothers me but that's like you know being bothered is not like a privilege that i have to even do you know like it, there was just something so powerful and like what edgar said pretty much where it was just like he has to toe the line um and i i i just like that they include that right so Sorry, there's like sirens in the background, but I would love to hear what you thought of that scene because there was a lot that unfolded between that, you know, those two conversing with each other. Um, I, I loved it. It was it was Billy's way of kind of saying, like, listen, this is my best opportunity to be with her. 
Um, I I won't be able to be with her in any other capacity if this kid is brought back into the frame. Um, so I got to do what I got to do to get back the woman that I love. Um, was it man- was it manipulation? Yeah, of course, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, but I mean, it's kind of like a little part of me wants to kind of say, doesn't Billy deserve just one win? Um, like, doesn't doesn't he deserve to be just a little happy? Again, this isn't like a situation to where it's like, um, you know, he messed up completely with Becca and she left him. This is more so like someone abused Becca. He thought she was dead um, (laughs) and lost all that time to be with her. So it's kind of like part of me is kind of like he deserves a win, like just a small one, you know, if, if that. Um, but I mean, you're completely right on the other hand, but it's just kind of like, I don't know, doesn't this guy deserve (laughs) something? Um, but I think it speaks more to how Billy is able to always play Edgar. Um, he always has a a one up on Edgar. The biggest thing, if like, let's say this show goes a few more seasons, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is the day that Edgar dies. You know, st- home front or not home front. Why do I keep mixing them? Home front <laughs> or somebody is probably going to get sick of Edgar and kill him at some point. What's going to be important is who replaces Edgar and the fact that nobody will have anything on that person that replaces them. Uh, so they can't pull at the heartstrings. They can't say, I'll make this public. Because I assume at some point, whoever takes over Edgar's spot will kind of be the more so do what you want and, and see if it works kind of kind of mentality. Um, so it'll be interesting to see somebody who plays hardball being at the, uh, the forefront of Vaught. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Cause Edgar right now to me is somebody that is, he thinks very, he thinks in a business manner, but he also thinks more so like, yeah, no, that is the right thing to do. Okay. We'll take care of the kid. If you know, uh, if you can get him back, you know, but, Somebody else probably would go, I don't care. Kill the kid, kill Homelander, whatever you want. I don't care. I just put somebody else there. Um, so that'll be interesting to look uh, to, to look at going forward. But Billy always has that trump card. And I love how he always goes to it and plays it. I mean, I certainly hope that nothing happens to Edgar just because I love the actor so much. But to me, I always admired like edgar's willingness to stand up against homelander because at least the way they showed it he never seemed to waver in front of homelander like madeline you know she had her moments where she reigned in edgar but she also had her moments where she you know looked hesitant in front of him um and you know, a little terrified, but Edgar, at least the way Giancarlo Esposito plays it, whenever he's standing in front of Edgar, there's like no emotion on his face or he's just like, yeah, do it, whatever, you know? Um, I, to me, there's, there's been a few times during the season where Edgar says something. I'm like, you know, this guy can like laser you in half. Right. And at least the way he plays it, it's just like, he don't give a fuck. <laughs> I like how you said that. Um, 
I'd be very interested to see if Edgar maybe has any powers that we just haven't seen him uh, have a, a necessity to use. Well, as we see at the end of this, there are there is definitely someone who you didn't think had powers who has powers. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I, I didn't. I didn't even remotely see that coming. Nope. Um, <laughs> but we're, we're definitely getting there. Next up, I want to go to you. Your thoughts mm-hmm. on Homelander and Ryan sharing that uh, sweet moment at the uh, at that lodge or cabin whatever um where homelander was kind of letting ryan know like listen man like i understand all this is like a lot to take on um but i'll be better for you than my caregivers were for me um and kind of disarming it a little bit well i mean this plays into the fact that in a different universe that homelander would probably be a good dad in a sense in the way that he would want to give Ryan a childhood that he wasn't allowed to have and I this goes to how good of an actor Anthony Starr is the fact that there was that moment where he said as you said something with his like caregivers he he kind of uh messed up with his words you know like he meant to say caregivers and I think like stopped and said oh the people who raised me or he said something about the labs and the doctor and just the way he did that it's like you could tell that is a such a painful point for homelander um and again it's just like you have these moments where you're like homelander if you weren't such a dick and you weren't so easily influenced by these crazy people like you would be a halfway decent dad um, because I do truly believe that there's something in Homelander that would have loved to to be different than what he was raised to be, but I just don't know or think that that's ever going to happen. Yeah, there's a part of him that wants to do better, but then there's also a part of him that can't do better. Uh, it's just, it's it's all he knows. Um, and and yeah. that's honestly what it comes down to. That it, it's, it's hard to change an adult. It's easier to change a child. Uh, once you kind of pass a certain age, it's kind of just like, ah, this is just, I, I am who I am. Um, but no, I mean, I, I did think this was a good moment for Ryan to kind of see his dad maybe a little bit differently um, than the world's been kind of, or his mother and everyone else has been portraying him, um, you know, albeit very accurately. Um, it was just good for him to kind of look up and, and, and kind of go, man, this could be a really good dad for me. Um, but I did think that was a uh, that was a good moment. But uh, up next, we got the boys plan out their attack to get Ryan uh, to get Ryan back and kill Homelander and Stormfront for good. Um, walk me through to you, seeing everybody get get the weapons and stuff ready to go. We kind of see a um, a moment between um becca and billy where she's kind of like swear on your brother that like you'll you'll get him back no matter what um go ahead yeah no that definitely when she said that i was like "Ooh, that's a that's a that's a touchy subject becca but she was just like this is a big deal um which you know it's it's funny because you know us as the audience didn't know about lenny and huey didn't know about lenny uh i don't know if they explained that the rest of the boys knew about Lenny, I forget now, but you know, clearly Becca knew whether, you know, 
and now I forget when Lenny actually died, if it would have been in the time where she was married to Billy or that that just goes to show how comfortable Billy was to reveal something like that about himself to Becca. Um, I did like that scene, you know, Becca first saying like, I'm going to come with you. And he's like, what are you doing? No. And you know, his whole thing you could see on his face was like, no, I don't want you to come with me because I'm going to, I'm going to give your boy up and you coming with me is, definitely not going to be part of the plan because now i can't lie to you like i was going to lie to you so um yeah no i thought that was a great little scene there and certainly um prepared us for what was to come afterward yeah i i thought it was just a moment to where um i think they were married when when his brother died Tia. i think they were okay um but yeah, I mean, it, it also showed you that that was obviously Billy's biggest weak, uh, weak point. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, now it'll be interesting to see, because um, we know that's what kept Homelander away from just killing Billy, um, was the threat of Becca. Um, but now that there's, you know, well, we're getting too ahead of ourselves. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. Um, so we see everyone getting ready to, to go. A uh, very, very, very great moment between Becca and um, and Billy, kind of telling him, like, promise me you'll get him back. Um, we go back to the cabin where Stormfront is with Homelander and Ryan. When Stormfront sees the evidence got leaked by the boys. Oh, that was so good. That was such an amazing moment. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm passing it right to you. Walk me through... Um, your feelings as we see it play out that uh, Stormfront has now been revealed. You know, it's funny because I thought that that would be something that would happen at the end of the episode. I wasn't expecting it to happen, you know, so quickly. And I really thought that'd be one of those things where they were going to try and bury it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But no, it was like, you know, front page news, this and that. Like they really, and I was like, they did it they did it and stormfront was freaking out like she was freaking out about the whole thing um because this was you know ruining her plans and i just loved it um and i think that homelander too disliked it because you know that ruins his public image you know he's supposed to be all america and he can't be seen you know canoodling i know that's such a weird word to use but canoodling with you know this nazi sympathizer um but i love the scene i was like oh my god it's happening and you could see that like stormfront wasn't pissed about it being revealed that she is racist af because she is and she's very proud of it um but you know she was pissed that you know this was ruining essentially the surprise plan you know this wasn't she didn't plan for this but i did want to bring it back i did want to bring it back a little because someone pointed out um there was like so many gifts about it this and like right before that happens right like stormfront is talking to ryan and she's like saying like you know people who don't look like us are trying to threaten us it's called white genocide and homelander kind of looks at her like what the fuck and like there were so many gifts where it was just like if homelander is looking at you like you're crazy 
you might be crazy. Um, but I, I that was just such a great scene just because of the panic that it, you know, gave Stormfront because the whole entire show, we have not seen Stormfront really, you know, uh, looking so frazzled as she did in that moment. Yeah, her saying white genocide was definitely like, all right. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. I was just like, oh, God. Do you Like, as as an actor, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to say that, like, with a straight face. That There has to be bloopers. Yeah, she's definitely, she uh, her character, let, let me not say, she her character was just definitely driving home my hatred for um, Stormfront. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was the evidence being leaked. Them leaking Compound V was a hit enough, but then leaking this was just like, how does Vought come back from that? And we'll talk about how they were able to bounce back from that in a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but very next up, uh, we see the boys, uh, make it to the cabin mm-hmm. and we see Billy and Becca make it in, uh, once they distract, um, Homelander with the, the sonic noises. Uh, they make it in. They rescue Ryan. Uh, Billy leaves the phone. Um, the SWAT team comes in looking for Billy and Ryan. No Billy and Ryan. Um, we see uh, Billy and Becca making it back to where the rest of the boys are when Storm uh, Front comes back. Very angry. Looking to definitely pop some heads off. Um, walk me through, Tia. Uh, we're not to the uh, girls get it done yet. We're not there yet. But walk me through um, seeing Billy. Oh, wait. I- I'm sorry. I think I skipped this a-, a part real quick. That's very important. Well, if, if I can kind of jump in there. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I believe what, you- what you're trying to recap here is Billy gets Becca. Um, and, you know, at first he was going to give Ryan up to Vought. Um, and then he tells pretty much Becca, you know, um, he, he says to Mother's Milk, take Becca and Ryan and leave. And Becca's like, what are you doing? You know, you like, come with us. And he says, he was like, I was going to sell you all out to Vought. He was like, I was going to give Ryan to Vought. He was like, please go. He was like, just go have your life. Be a good mother. Like, I'll never be a good person in this situation like please just go and them making like the ultimate decision that they have to split and they get into the car and that's when stormfront uh shows up and like blasts the car and i was like please don't tell me that mm becca and ryan just die in this moment and you could see like the the pain on billy's face the desperation i mean luckily in that moment they were all able to get out of the car uh unharmed but yeah i wasn't i should have expected for that plan to be like nixed but i still nevertheless was shocked when it when their car flipped over i was like no and you can see on billy's face as well yeah he kind of thought he just lost everything in in Mm -hmm. one moment um which is always hard to kind of see billy kind of go through those emotions um because that's just not him so if you see him start to cry and stuff you're kind of like oh no billy no um but no I, i thought that was a very good scene 
Um, but we see uh, Stormfront land um, right after that, Tia. Walk me through not only seeing that Becca, MM, and Ryan uh, survive that car uh, crash, but seeing it play out of girls get it done. <laughs> the, AKA the best scene ever no let me walk you through this right this is what i loved you have stormfront there and you know the boys are well first of all i think uh so billy becca and ryan run off right it's like okay you go escape we'll we'll you know fight up against them whatever right and you see them get it getting ready and shit like that and you know, Stormfront's there, and she's making her grand speech, I f- believe. And the best thing is, for okay, sorry, I'm like getting ahead of myself. There's so much here, right? But beforehand, be- uh, God, I can't talk. Kamiko, Kim- right before all this, tells Frenchie, um, you know, what if I freeze? Like, what if I freeze seeing her? Like I froze when she was killing my brother, right? And you see this moment, it's like really intense. And all of a sudden, Kamiko starts laughing. I was like, oh, snap. And it's like, I loved that. She's just laughing. And it's like, what are you laughing at? She tells Frenchie, right? And he's like, she's going to fucking put her boot up your Nazi, you know what? And it's like, that's such an amazing scene. Like Kamiko just realizing, like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to effing kill you. I loved that. I loved that so much. Just like the confidence in there. I was like, yeah, get it done, Kamiko. And it was such a great, by the way, like choreographed scene. Because just as that happened, you see Stormfront about to strike against her. And that's when Starlight uses her power. So essentially, temporarily, um, you know, uh, stop Stormfront so that then Kamiko can barrel her way. I, before I ask you this one question, right? I do have to say, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Frenchie and Huey are so dumb because they announce, right? They're like, go to the car to get the bomb. It's our only chance. And it's like, you know, Stormfront could probably hear you say that as well, right? And what does she do immediately afterwards? She blasts the freaking shed that, like, they're weapon are in and i'm like you guys are really dumb but please tell me juan didn't you freak out like before we get to like you know then the next thing in this girls get shit done but didn't you freak out thinking that stormfront really killed kamiko like i had a temporary moment where i really forgot that like she probably could like you know fix herself after that. i was like no <laughs> yeah okay so here's the thing tia I didn't worry because I thought to myself, last season, Black Noir, I think, had, like, put his hand through her. He did something to her that was, like, a really gruesome injury. And she healed from it. And that was when I was like, I have no idea what her powers are. Um, So when she survived that, I'm, like, snapping her neck. No, that's not going to kill her. She could easily, like, repair the bones... Uh, like she did with that injury last season. Now, pulling her head off is something you can't fix. Um, I thought she was going to pull her head off. When she just snapped, I said, oh, no, no, no. She'll definitely be back. 
Um, so no, I didn't freak out over that. I, I legit, the one time, Tia, the one time I ever thought something, I was like, oh, I was right. Okay, she didn't die. Um, I, I felt like no, there was there was no way she was dying there. Um, that injury was way worse last season, and she walked away from it. Um, well, I still. I still was like, oh my god, like I like the struggle between them when like she like at first Kamiko is trying to snap snor- uh, Stormfront's neck and then she got the upper hand and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then she snapped her neck. I swear, like the flash of emotion in my face, I was like, not Kamiko, but the best shit, like they delivered on this scene because. Uh, Stormfront looking as if she's getting the upper hand then you just hear something like I forget what she said but it was like you know what up or whatever and she turns around there's Queen Maeve socking her across the freaking face I was like yes yes Queen Maeve arrived and then there's just the three of them freaking assaulting Stormfront. It was so great because it was like Frenchie and Huey and Mother's Milk. They might as well have not even have been there. It's like, what are you guys going to do, right? They were just staying aside. And I just love Frenchie just going, girls really do get it done. <laughs> um, which I believe is a callback from the beginning of the season when the marketing team was supposed to, was trying to like, you know, promote the fact that they had three women on the seven and it was like, you know, girls get it done. And it was like, I just loved it. I loved Queen Maeve showing up. I was like, this is the like payoff that I had been looking for all season. Um, and it was with Maeve finally showing up for that final battle, just going like, you know what? I am going to help out because Stormfront does need to be taken down. And I just love them kicking her ass and they were like, die, you Nazi bitch. <laughs> yeah, I will say I've never seen someone get jumped, but if it ever looked like that, Wow. I mean, they were stomping her out. They were. They you know what? It wasn't even like this I mean it was an epic battle, right? But you know, you're thinking like superheroes, they're gonna have this like, you know, it's gonna be like Avengers Infinity War type thing. It's like, nah, they were just like fucking like as if she was just someone they were stealing like their money in like a back alley or something. They're just like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, like I could only imagine if like if if Endgame ends with like all the Avengers just just standing over Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they that you know exactly like Captain Marvel's there, you know Iron Man. They're all just like you mother effer. How dare you? <laughs> they're just stomping the hell out of them, and I'm like that would have been for like the best way to end a superhero movie ever. Um, but we ultimately do see stormfront go uh i'm getting the hell out of here and she she palpatines her way out of there um we we do see that she lands in the woods where billy is trying to escape with becca and ryan um she immediately disarms billy throws him away grabs becca by the throat is squeezing she has this weird infatuation with watching the life go out of people when she yeah because she did that with Kamiko's brother and then she was like I want to see the light go out and I was like you are one sadistic woman yeah like that's really weird I think she I think it does something for it I, I don't know it's just it's <laughs> uh, but anyway um so we ultimately see um her strangling the life out of Becca uh we see Ryan freaking out and as right on cue like Homelander told him 
Um, powers sometimes come out when you least expect it. Um, and, you know, he was conjuring up a lot of emotion, really upset, really sad, really mm-hmm. scared. And Supermander. Um, <laughs> he's Supermander. Um, I will say this. The thing, the first thing that I thought to you was, all right, he's, he's, he's never done this before. So I'm like, I'll be very angry if Becca didn't get hit. Um, Cause I'm like, he has no control of it. He's never mm-hmm. done it before. Um, so I'm like, no way. He just gets this directed purely at Stormfront. Mm-hmm. So we see Stormfront looking like Anakin at the end of uh, <laughs> <laughs> sprouting, um, spouting German nonsense. Uh, no offense to anyone that. <laughs> Um, I, I would have loved if they would have told us what she was actually saying. Like the subtitles were just speaking German, and I was like, "God damn, you can't tell me at least what she's saying." I mean, it would have helped just like a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, the reason why I said spouting German nonsense was I assumed it was some kind of Nazi crap. Yeah, yeah, some sort of uh, you know propaganda or whatever. Nothing against anyone German, but definitely offense to anyone uh of the nazi mindset but anyway um suddenly all our german listeners turned <laughs> off they were like screw this <laughs> um so we we see ryan crying out of his mind um saying how sorry he is and then we see billy slowly look over at becca mm. who is bleeding pretty deeply out of her neck um and we ultimately see becca telling billy as which okay let me say this to you worst mom of the year you are dying and you don't think that your last word should maybe go to your son who has to live with the fact that he just killed his mother um she's sitting there and she's like billy i love you and make sure you take care of him and meanwhile ryan's just over there crying his heart out like i love you from my dying mom would have been would have been really good like that would have helped um, it should have been that situation where um, y- you watch The Walking Dead, right? Or you have in the yeah. past. When Lori is dying and she tells Carl, come here, she gives this like grand speech to Carl for him to like take with him as she dies. It's like, it should have been that, right? Like, I love you. This isn't your fault. You know, you're a good boy. Don't let that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I guess to her, she was like, you know, I know my child uh, to her. I don't know if she was thinking that her mindset, I think was really like, I'm dying. And Billy already doesn't like this kid. I need to tell him don't kill this kid. Like he's a good kid. He, he didn't mean to do it. You know, promise me, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, you know, in the comics, um, remember in the first season, right? Vogelbaum tells you know Homelander like hey Becca was pregnant but the baby you know like crawled wait, out wait, of her wait, huh? wait. no I, I remember this that was the only thing I know from the comics okay um, so that really happened so you know uh in the comics so it's like technically Ryan you know did kill his mom just like you know he killed her in the comics it was just in a different way but yeah no i mean as soon as like you start hearing him like sniffling going i'm sorry i go oh 
did he hit Becca as well? And I felt so bad. She's saying, it's like, you know, Billy just got Becca back. And it's like, again, seeing Billy cry is like seeing, like, you know, I don't know who cried. Huh? It's like seeing Frank cry. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like seeing Frank Castle cry. It's like, oh, no. And, but I'm kind of like, I'm kind of glad that they stuck within Billy's character at first because he was going to kill that kid. Like, he, he took out the crowbar. He was like, yeah, no, sorry, Becky, you just died, but and I know you requested me not to kill this kid, but I'm going to put this crowbar between his eyes. No, we, we, we've seen that when it comes to people that Billy love, he's willing to go against um, the, the best of promises. I mean, Tia, Knowing that he was going to turn that kid over, he swore on his brother um, and was still going to do. I think he still would have done it if Becca wasn't there. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As Becca's dying declaration, she's like, don't take it out on him. Like, teach him to be better. And he's like, okay. And then as soon as she died, he's like, all right, I'm going to go kill this kid. And it's like, <laughs> you're not. You literally told you that like four seconds ago, Billy. Um, but I will say to you, the proudest moment I've been of this entire show is when Homelander lands and he's like, Ryan, come to me. And Ryan kind of makes his way over to Billy. Yes. At that moment, Billy could have said, yeah, take him. Like, screw you both. But Billy then, same thing that he did with, with Becca in, in coming clean that he was going to turn Ryan over. He... he kept his promise he said you know what i'll die for this kid right now like that's what that's what she wanted i'll protect them and he's like there's no way you're getting this kid um and i love homelander's response just like these people really don't know i could just like snap their necks right like (laughs) not realizing how easy it is for me to just pop their heads off like like bottle caps right um and tia i'll let you lead lead into this before Homelander can even make a move on Billy or Ryan, who comes to save the day yet again? The MVP of the entire season. But I did want to comment really quick. You're right. When Homelander first lands and he sees, um, you know, Stormfront looking like Anakin Skywalker, (laughs) you know, he's like, come my son. And there was a small part of me that thought that Ryan would because it's like that is his dad and he you know, knows that Billy doesn't like him. I'm assuming that he saw Billy pick up the crowbar. Um, but for Ryan to go like, you know what? My mom said that this was her husband. My mom loves this man. And it's like to know even in that moment that like Homelander is such a bad person. Um, and that the person that Homelander loved is ultimately responsible for killing his mother. I know Ryan technically killed his mom, but if, you know, he was just trying to save her, right? So it's like, I loved that scene of him just, because again, it's like the way they like filmed it, right? It's like, I really thought Ryan was going to walk to Homelander and he slowly makes his way behind Billy. And as you said, Billy could have been like, get the hell out of here, you dumb child and he's like nah you know what i made a promise and i was just like good for you billy good for you but yeah no i love it where it's like you think homelander is gonna go crazy and like there's mave and you're like oh shit 
Is it going to be another battle? Is she going to fight against him? He's like, what the hell are you? And I love it. Like, Homelander's so cocky, right? He's like, what the hell are you going to do? And she just brings up her phone. And she's like, this. You see this? You remember this? It's going to go in on all of the freaking like news outlets. And he's like, I can, he's like, it's going to look bad on you too. Or he says something like, it's going to kill you. And she's like, that doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. As long as everyone you know, knows this and no one fucking loves you. Like, I loved it. She smirked at that point and I was just like, this MVP over here, my Queen Maeve coming in. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Like, something like that to disarm Homelander that easily. Um, I loved it. It was so unexpected because, again, you always expect when you have, like, these superhero shows to have this big epic battle. You know, of course we had the epic battle with uh you know the girls get it done but for it to really just be like this it's information you know what they say juan knowledge is power absolutely and as gi joe says knowing is half the battle um, <laughs> <laughs> the more you know <laughs> um gi joe i used to hate that i used to hate how it used to end like that knowing <laughs> half the battle it's like i don't want to learn stuff i want to learn how to fight like you I used to hate uh, Captain Planet just for that very thing. Captain Planet. It's like, oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I hated that show as a kid, but I would so love to see that in live action today. Wait, wait, really quick before we go on. Who could play him? Who would play Captain Planet? Oh, man. <laughs> Honestly, v- very funny. Anthony Starr could be a really good captain. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, like I, I, feet to the water, that's probably who I would land on. Um, but I, I would like more time to think, definitely. Um, but he would be a hilarious Captain Planet, uh, especially if they kind of, you know, update him a bit, make him a little snarky, a little sarcastic. Um, Anthony would be freaking epic as as Captain Planet. Um, I don't know. I just I, I hate all all the colors of the world uniting to make Captain Planet. I don't know. <laughs> um, but but speaking of Anthony and in Homelander, we get right after that scene where we see Queen Maeve kind of save the day. I don't know for the a billionth time this season. Um, that definitely needs to be talked about more. Uh, no more Homelander hashtags or Billy. Let's hashtag Queen Maeve. Um, we see uh, Homelander reminding the world that they are still here to protect them and that Stormfront is now the enemy. We also see that um, Vought specifically, um, man, what's the character that he plays? Why did I just forget? Um, we see that, uh, God, oh, Edgar, sorry. We see that <laughs> Edgar cleared, um, cleared Starlight's name. Mm-hmm. Um, Starlight is no longer a, um, an enemy of the state. Uh, she is now back part of the seven. Um, and I'll say this when Homelander was giving his speech, I could have sworn I heard electricity like in the background. Like, I want you to when when you when you get a chance to replay just that scene, it sounded like electricity was like buzzing really high in the background. Um, and I thought that was their way of us knowing that, like, oh, Stormfront's not dead. She could still come back at some point. 
Um, okay, like how? Is she going to be like Darth Vader? I saw like people surmising that as well. And I was like, no, she did. Like she did, did. My thing is that I felt like that was just probably trying to like, you know, in that moment, like maybe like drown out thoughts because it's like he's on autopilot and you see his eyes were a little red. And in the trailer, I thought that that meant like he was about to laser every single one of these mother effers. But I think it was just him crying because it's like he's been so defeated. He's been kicked off his pedestal. But what I wanted to point out about that scene, um, and someone pointed it out as well, Starlight's in her original costume. And I feel that that's important because since she's been in the seven, she has been so over-sexualized being forced to wear that other costume. So it's like, not only is she back, not only is she exonerated, but things are going to be a little different now. I'm not going to be this little pinup on the seven. I'm going to wear my freaking costume and I'm going to be a hero. Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. And what bothered me was Stormfront comes in wearing like a full body suit and it's like my butt cheeks are out for what? Like <laughs> that is true. That is true. Both both Starlight and Queen Maeve. Like they're like, um, I'm like not wearing pants and I'm freezing. Um and this this woman is like head to toe covered. Yeah, like what what's that about? Like <laughs> why why it looks so much uh more comfortable than, than I do? Like what is that about? Um very true but um no i i thought that i thought that was a really good point that she made uh that she's looking to change things around vault and i think she's gonna get it um next up we see uh billy is talking to mallory uh obviously mm-hmm. mallory makes it known that the boys are clear uh we see mother's milk is able to go back to his daughter and his wife mm-hmm. um, we see that frenchie is able to excuse me, have that very beautiful dance with Kimiko. Oh, that was so cute. Um, and Mallory lets Billy know, A, I will take care of Ryan. Don't worry about Vault. They won't find him. Um, and she also makes it known that there is a new, um, pretty much, I, I know what she called it, but I'm paraphrasing by calling it the, the Vigilante Task Force, uh, which essentially mm-hmm. is all, all that it is. Uh, pretty much to where it's like any superheroes that step out of line, it's their job to take them down. Um, Billy doesn't give an answer. He just walks away. Just walks away. Um, as, as cool as that. When I tell you, Tia, every time I see Billy cool, I'm like, you could have been my Batman. Um <laughs> Ah, at least for the CW, he could have been. Someone, friend. someone pointed out though that Carl Urban would make a great Wolverine. I mean, I can see him sitting there smoking a cigar with like the hair. He's already got that beautiful bushy beard. I mean, it could, it could, it could be a thing. It could two be a thing. Two things go against that. I don't want my next Wolverine to be as tall as Carl Urban is. I need him to be a little shorter. We already had like almost a, a, a what was Hugh Jackman six five? He I was. I think people keep forgetting Wolverine was squatting like the entirety of X Men the animated series. That's how short he was. Um, so it's kind of like I kind of like my Wolverine to be a little shorter. And yeah, he's six one. That's yeah. that's all. <laughs> I don't know how Feige would retcon the fact that we legit just saw Carl Urban in the MCU. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I get that, like, you know, he was scourged, but like that character obviously got killed off. And I feel like, you know, the MCU could do it, right? Um, you know, at once upon a time, the Netflix shows were part of the MCU, right? And you had, oh God, Alfre, I forget her name. Yeah playing mariah stokes and then she was have she had that small role in civil war so i'm like it could it could be done i'm just saying it could be done i'm i'm not gonna say anything i i'm not gonna say anything if they were like carl urban's wolverine i'm not gonna sit there and be like he was just scourged i'd be like yep cool let's do this Kevin Feige definitely kept trying to tell us, like, "Hey, don't don't ask me about the the Netflix universe." Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm so angry about that. Okay, because they keep doing these BS moves with like, let's just bring in all these obscure uh, former Spider-Man characters and shit, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. No one asked for that. No one asked for uh, Jamie Fox to be back as Electro, right? Like. I'm sitting here literally begging for some of the Netflix people to come back. If you can bring back J. Jonah Jameson, Electro, there's some now rumors circulating around of other Spider-Man characters, and you could bring Jarvis from the Agent Carter show into the movie MCU, I don't give a shit. Bring me my freaking Frank Castle, my Matt Murdock, and my Wilson Fisk. And I'm going to, uh, I'll stop now. But I'm just saying, give me. I'm just saying to you, it might be it might be something you might have to just let go. I mean, I'll let it go if they um, bring John Bernthal in as Wolverine. I mean, he's five ten. It's a little shorter. We're getting there. We're getting there, Juwan. We're slowly getting there. (laughs) Definitely getting there. Um, I wouldn't hold my breath on that either. But who knows? Who 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 knows? Who knows? Listen, um, dreams can come true, all right? Your bat flick is coming back, all right? Let me dream here. <laughs> yeah, no, but he's coming back just to leave again. So I, it, it's like, yeah, okay. So if I get that, yeah, sure. You can get Frank Castle to come back for like, what, four minutes and say, all right, bye, guys, and then leave. That's again. fine. At least knowing that he's <laughs> in that world is enough for me. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, all right, so to round this out, um, yeah, so pretty much uh, Mallory makes the, the offer to Billy. Billy doesn't say anything, just walks off as cool as possible. Because um, cool guys don't look back. As cool as don't look back, yes, always, always, never look back. Heroes don't look back. <laughs> um, we also get um, Vaught decides, uh, we see um, – the Church of the Collective is talking mm-hmm. to A-Train in the Deep, makes it known that they know A-Train was behind uh, bringing the evidence forward um, on Stormfront, but Vought loved the initiative. Vought loved that he did it, and Vought has accepted A-Train back to the uh, the Seven. Deep goes, well, what about me? And he kind of goes, yeah. Let me take you both back. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? I gave you $1,700. I married a chick that I don't like. Uh, I hate Fresca. Like, why <laughs> won't you let me back in? And it's like, sorry, man, they, they didn't want you. They, they wanted A-Train. Uh, so A-Train's like, hell yeah, and he speeds out of there in the deep. I love that A-Train was pretty much like, peace out, bitches. 
Uh, and uh, the deep yet again for another season is left on the outside looking in. Um, uh, I thought that was freaking hilarious. Um, we do also see that um, in the huge shocker, and I'll let you speak on, on, on this, Tia. The huge mm-hmm. shocker of the entire season, Victoria. Victoria, who is now has a political seat. Uh, it was the one behind the heads exploding. It is her superpower. She rolls her eyes and heads explode. Uh, ultimately, not that easily, but I like to visualize it that way. Um, she kills the head of the, the Church of the Collective. She kills him. Um, what confuses me about Victoria is we do not know her motivations. We do not know what side she plays for. We do not know why she is against both sides. Um, ultimately, I assume we'll find <laughs> all out next season. But Tia, walk me through that huge jaw-dropping moment. Yeah, no, I mean, that that was shocking because, you know, the previous episode ended with the head popping and stuff. And you kind of forgot, at least me, I kind of forgot about that during the final episode because so much other shit was going on. And you and I had talked about the fact that we would have liked Alistair to kind of be like the new big bad, you know, like, as you said, the, um, like the new person in town. Right. So I was looking forward to it. He's like on the phone with Victoria saying like, well, you know, I, you now that you have this political seat, I'm assuming that, you know, us being a church will, you know, be tax exempt, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, all right, whatever scumbag. Um, <laughs> but, and then he like, I don't know if you noticed, it was simultaneously as he popped open the fresca, his head exploded. Oh, I jumped. Because they they keep doing that where it's so shocking. It's like, stop popping heads. Um, And then you see Victoria out there and I was like, oh my god. That was a great twist. A great twist. I did not see that coming at all. And it's like, what is her motivation, right? You know, her character is sitting there talking about bringing down Homelander, bringing him in front of a jury. You know, she, you know, kills um, that other CIA lady, remember, in the beginning of the season. So she kills her. Then she kills Vogelbaum. She kills everyone, you know, a lot of people there. She kills Alistair. It's like, what is your motive, right? And now freaking huey is working for her so it's like shit like what is gonna go on but um yeah no that 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 was insane my biggest question is here right where's cindy because we saw cindy and we saw cindy has the ability to explode heads right and we all thought that like cindy was behind all of that shit so it's like where what was the point of showing cindy was it strictly to you know take your attention off of you know uh and now i forgot her name god what what's her name again congresswoman lady victoria victoria like was it solely to take our attention off of victoria like that is my one thing where i was like what was the point of introducing cindy but no incredibly shocking i love when shows completely like keep something to the chest you know um so i thought that was great Uh, again i'm a little disappointed by alistair getting killed because i thought that would have been a cool dynamic but yeah no that that was like oh oh 
fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is what I'm going to say about um, episode eight, right? So obviously it got renewed for a third season. I don't know if they knew that while filming it. Um, I don't believe so because they were just renewed a few weeks before it was released to us. And honestly, this felt like it could have been a series finale, right? Right. It it tied up enough while also leaving enough open where like your imagination could have went in different directions. But obviously, ultimately, we're so excited that it's getting a third season to touch upon those stories. But it was a great ending. Like, that's how you end a freaking season it was so good i do have to make one last comment before we go back to you um and i'm not going to talk about it too much because it's obviously very crude but i love that homelander scene like him just just telling himself that he could do whatever he wants because he was pretty much like bitch slapped this entire episode and shown that he cannot do whatever he wants Right, yeah, essentially it was it was them reminding him like, no, you can't just do whatever you want. And that was him taking back some semblance of power. Um, but I will say from the way that it ended, you're right, it, it kind of ended the same way Daredevil did to where it was kind of like, if need be, this is how we ended it. We can, right. we can keep going, but if not, this is how we ended it. I will say uh, Amazon, whenever the day comes that we face the last season of The Boys, you shouldn't release it as a series. You should release it as a movie. One final movie. Mm. Send them off. Um, only because it's now gaining star power to where, it, you know, and, you know, hopefully it's no time soon uh, that we face that day. But whenever it comes, hopefully the world's back to normal. Theaters are open. People are being safe. Uh, it will make it will make a lot of money in the box office. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that if they were like, you know, we're gonna go out with a bang, and it's like instead of giving you a final season, we're gonna give you a final like two and a half hour movie, and we're gonna put it in theaters. You're you're right. It would make so much money. We would freak out. We'd be like, yep, let's go. You and I, you and I live not too far from each other. We would go to the theater 100%. to go see that. A hundred percent. That that's not even to be debated to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if Black Widow came out, that's something I think we we would definitely try. <laughs> In the year of uh, 2026, when it finally right. comes out. <laughs> um, it's funny because all these movie releases, all I keep thinking in my head is the SpongeBob joke to where it's like, all right, Black Widow, five years later. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're never going to get these movies, man. It's, it's going like- to be... Um- have you seen that Titanic meme where it's like, it's been 84 years. <laughs> I'm going to be like 40 by the time Black Widow comes out. This is ridiculous. Yeah, we will all be in nursing homes by the time we get to see these movies. I mean, luckily for you, um, because I know it's something that you really, really, really want to see. Luckily for you, Black Widow's done. It just has to come out. I'm still waiting for them to finish filming the Batman, let alone for them to find a release date. But but see, that's my problem. And I know this has nothing to do with anything, but it's like they're filming, they're announcing all of these movies, right? They're like, oh, this person got, you know, pen to write this script and this person's going to start this and filming is starting now. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know when any of this shit's going to be released. Like at least with TV shows, it's like, 
all right, you film them, you know that you can just put them out there, but all these movies are like getting made. And it's like, yo, you don't even know when like the slots are going to be open. Cause like, who knows if shit's going to get pit- like, people have this magical assumption that as soon as 2020 is over, that everything's going to go back to normal. Like, you know, that, that's just like a meme and a joke that we're like going into like 2021 could easily come and shit's still not like fixed. Like, a virus doesn't know years. <laughs> like, no, I don't know. Like, like, crazy. <laughs> like, the virus didn't go, oh, wait, is it going to be 2020? Oh, yeah, let's, let's kick <laughs> it up. Let's kick it up. Uh, and then as soon as 2020, as soon as 2021 happens, it's like, oh, sorry. All right, I'm going to go back and I'll come back in like 10 years or something. Yeah, like, sorry, we, we could only do this with 2020. We, we can't go any further. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, us just taking, uh, you know, precautions and, and being safe is what will lead the world to going back to a semblance of normalcy. Um, but yeah, I would love the boys' final season, hopefully years from now when that is, to be a movie. Uh, and I'd definitely be wondering if, if Eric has ever given any thought to that. Because um, I, I think it would make a crap ton of money. Um, and it, it would do really well. It would do so well in theaters, Tia. Amazon would be like, damn. Did we have to end it here? <laughs> like, well, did you hear the season? I don't know. Someone like just said this as a joke, or it really was something that they're thinking of. Like Amazon's planning on like making its own movie theaters or something. Like if Amazon, like if Jeff Bezos decided to like open up his own theater like business, it would completely destroy everything else. Oh. Like. <laughs> AMC, uh, you know, you, I, like all of them would just be like, uh, I got to I got to file bankruptcy now. Yeah, I did hear about that. I did hear someone saying like Jeff Bezos is so rich. He could make movie theaters kind of like how um, <laughs> Star Wars had the Senate, the Senate vote, like when they all came together <laughs> to vote, how they were on like their own pods. Like it wasn't like joined together. <laughs> And I was like that would be hilarious if I walked in Amazon theaters and there were like pods that were separated. They were like at least five to ten feet away from like the next pod. I'd be like, "Yo, this is so dope, man!" <laughs> like Jeff Bezos. It'd be good social distancing. <laughs> I tell you what, if he were able to pull that off, it would make him a crap load of money. Um, because the- You'd have everybody like, yeah, I'm going to the theater. I'm nowhere near people. Like, yes, of course I'm going. The first trillionaire. (laughs) Yeah, the first first trillionaire for sure. He took Bruce Wayne and and Iron Man the shame for sure. Oh, yeah. It'd be like, who's Bruce Wayne? Who is T'Challa? Who's Tony Stark? I I only know Jeff Bezos. I only know Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Um, But huge shouts out to Eric for this amazing season two of The Boys. Um, I cannot wait to see what's next for all these characters. Uh, I can't wait to see if Ryan, if Ryan in his time away from everybody, is he training? Is his powers coming? Um, is his powers coming out a lot more than, than they have before? Uh, you know, if they send him to a school, what happens if he gets bullied? Does his power show? Um, like what happens with that character? Um, I would like to see them do a small little time jump, like a small time jump, like a year or two later. Um, Hmm. And the only reason I like time jumps is whenever you introduce a kid and then you introduce like that kid has powers, I'm like, well, you're obviously not going to have that kid fight adults like anytime soon. 
So it's like you had to do like small little uh, time jump to age the kid up just a little bit. I mean, I would be interested in seeing it do like a year or two time jump. You have Mother's Milk with, you know, maybe he has another kid at this point. Uh, Frenchie and Kamiko have traveled the world and they go back to France and they eat baguettes and it's really cute, you know, because they're just adorable. They're married now. They're married now, you know. Uh, Starlight and Huey are married. Billy is like, you know, on the road and everything it, it would be oh, kind of cool billy took his dog back uh, oh yeah we need to see the dog again that's true that's so true that would be dope but yeah to me i, I like small time jumps I, obviously not what Endgame did but small time jumps um uh, i'm okay with um so i don't know so here's to what to ex- no i can't even we can't even say that we don't know what to expect for season three um but here's to an amazing season two and what we hope is a very fastly shot season three so we can get it by this time next year oh god yeah no i i I, it seems like the cast is doing like promos and they're like having fun they're gearing up and getting ready and um, it's not like shows and movies aren't filming right now. It just seems like they're having to obviously take like other precautions, but it's not like everything shut down. So maybe they get them together and isolate away from everything and just film what they need to film. Right. So hopefully that'll happen. Um, I just like, give me it now. Like, I'm a very impatient person. I will say one thing uh, before we kind of like, you know, wrap everything up, but I will say this, Amazon, I don't need you to follow this whole protocol of weekly uh, for season three. Like, let's get back to season one and just release it all in one shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if, if anything, you stretching it out like this makes me hate you more. Because <laughs> um, if I get it all at once, I kind of, the way, and I'm not speaking for anyone but myself, the way I, I receive getting it all at once is, okay, I had it all at once. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you eat like a really good meal, like you go out for like a really good dinner, you eat it all at once. And then you're kind of like, man, I can digest it. That was really good. Oh my goodness. But when you stretch it out, it kind of, it kind of makes it hurt more. Cause it's like, oh, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's just one more bite left. Like, I stretched this out to three days worth of, of meals, and now I'm on this last bite. As opposed to, I ate it all at once, boom, done, it's over with, I'm moving forward. But when you stretch it out, I kind of feel like it, it extends the bleeding. Well, and then also you're like, you know, now you've gotten used to every Friday having a new episode. Guess what? Next Friday, no new episode. And let me say this. For someone that said they wanted, it was their decision to space it out, I'll, let me say this. If Eric had have actually done what he said and spaced it out from the jump, the boys would have ended right when the Mandalorian started. So I would have had something right when the boys went off air. I would have had something to look right forward to rather than now I'm like, there's two and a half weeks now I have to get through before I have something else to start watching. Because um, remember, the first week they gave us the first three episodes. Yeah. If not for that we would have had the boys ending right as the Mandalorian was starting. 
Oh, it's just like now. It's like the Mandalorian is going to start, and that's going to be weekly, which is going to kill me. And it's just like I, I can't, I can't. But um, the boys, the boys season two was great. It was phenomenal. It ended on the highest note that you can end. And I love this cast. They look like they have so much fun with each other. And I just can't wait for season three. I can't wait either. Huge congrats to Anthony and all of the cast and crew. You guys did a phenomenal job bringing so much realism to a superhero show. Best in the business. Me and T have said it. I will hold Tia's feet to the fire because I do believe that Tia in the moment believes that this is the best superhero show. Um, <laughs> but I also believe Tia is a bit conflicted because I believe when um, Doom Patrol comes back out, Tia will be like, eh, I don't know. Doom Patrol is really good. I am wholeheartedly I... saying there is no superhero show right now on air. I'm not talking about ever on air better than the boys i have to agree with you i love doom patrol but i do think that the boys is like the best of the best right now now um when daredevil and punisher were on you know then i i would argue that but no i i don't think anyone does it like better than the boys you know they're able to do the fight scenes. They're able to do the realism. They're able to do the shock value, but then also the emotions. And like the only thing I will say, the only thing that like they lack on, but they're lacking on it. I think on purpose is their costume department. But I said this last year when we talked about season one, I'm like, cause I believe AJ and no disrespect to AJ, but you know, he mentioned how the costumes looked very like low budget. And I'm like, I, that's the point because they're all supposed to be knockoffs of real, you know, like, you know, real characters, you know, uh, Homelander supposed to be the knockoff of Superman. Queen Maeve supposed to be the knockoff of Wonder Woman, you know, a train, the flash, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, so their costumes are not supposed to be like these really high end, like freaking costumes. No, I, I get it. But I will say, I think Homelander's costume has always looked really good. Um, I I mean, to me, I, I'm not that huge on, on costumes. Um, unless it's Batman, then you got to get that shit right, like, ASAP. Um, but outside of that, I'm not that big on it. Um, but I think they all looked really good. I didn't, have, I didn't really have any problems with how their, their suits looked. Um, I thought for, for what Amazon seemingly... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 